Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power. And here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Dear listener, welcome to the program. We're delighted to have your company, and Colin and myself are pleased that you're able to join us today. We hope that you've been enjoying the journey that we've been on so far as we've been spending time in God's Word and particularly looking at God's message for the times in which we live. Now, just before we open the Word of God again, we just invite you to bow your heads for a word of prayer as we ask God to be with us in our study. Gracious Father in heaven, it's such a privilege that we can take this time to spend time in your Word to ask you to lead us into all truth yet again through the Spirit of truth. And as such, Father, we pray for the baptism of your Holy Spirit on the listener, on Colin and myself, as we unfold your words, Father. May you give us the words from on high. May we be prepared for Jesus Christ's soon return. Father, may you encourage us. May you inspire us. Father, may you convict us of sin, righteousness, and of judgment, as you said the Holy Spirit would. We thank you, Father, for this incredible gift, and we thank you for the gift of salvation through Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, we are now getting towards the back end of this book, 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals Prepare for the Latter Rain and Christ's Return. And we are in the last segment, which starts on day 44, and it talks about God's last warning to his church. So you know ultimately, dear dear listener, that God has got a prophetic timeline, and one day a very last sermon will be preached, and after that, the door of probation will close, just like Noah preached his very last sermon. The animals came into the ark. Noah and his family went in, and the angels shut their door. And for seven days, there was no rain. But the door had closed. No one could get out of the ark, and no one could get in. One day, God will have that final message preached. People will make their decision, and those who are out will stay out. Those who are unjust will be unjust still, and filthy will be filthy still. And those who are shut in, those who are righteous will be righteous still, and those who are holy will be holy still, as we read in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 11. So now we're going to start looking at the really important messages. Now, these messages actually build on all the messages we've uh, we've looked at so far. There's been about 40-odd programs so far, Colin, and I'm really looking forward to looking at this. We're getting to the pointy end of the, of the message. Now, this is a message that actually can divide. Ultimately, God brings a message of peace. But he also said that I don't bring peace but a sword. Now, it's not because Christ has a sword in his hand and he stands as a, a, a exacting judge over his people. But it's the word of God that divides because not everybody likes the light when it shines in the dark places. Because as he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, people love darkness rather than the light. So ultimately, God brings peace and goodwill toward men, and especially in this season, the summer period, where people celebrate Christmas and the New Year and they have holidays and that. We always talk about peace and goodwill toward men, and many of the Christmas carols refer to peace and goodwill toward men. So God is bringing a message of peace. However, some people do not like that message of peace, and they will rise up against it. So very important uh, uh, message, Colin, today, and we're introducing it by just looking at an overview regarding the importance of the times in which we live and God's message for the last days. That's right, Eddie. And, um, you know, if you've studied the Bible, and, you know, most Bible students know that the events taking place on the earth today indicate the coming of Jesus Christ is imminent. Hmm. You know, we see natural disasters, wars, famines, terror attacks, all sorts of diseases and things happening in the world so quickly and rapidly 
we can see that time is running out. Even yes. scientists are saying that, you know, the world with climate change, it's time's running out for planet Earth. Mm. So it's not just, you know, uh, people, religious people from God's word, but even scientists are recognizing and, and even governments of the world are, are coming together, trying to unite on, they can see that things are changing in this world. Mm. They attribute it to climate change. Well, that's right. Yeah, so we can see all these things happening. And we can see in uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 to 33, that Jesus talks about the last days. Mm. And he gives us some signs that will happen. And so when we read um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 to 33, and you could also find that in Luke 21 and, and Mark uh, 13 and yes. many other verses in the Bible. We're going to cover a few of them today. But we want to just see what's going to happen at the end. Mm. And we can see all the signs, but there's some other things that are happening as well that you'll find quite interesting. So let's go to Matthew 24. And we're going to just unpack this a little bit. And uh, so let's read that, Eddie. Okay. Well, where we're starting in verse 4, preceding that, Jesus had just explained to the disciples when they looked at the temple. It actually says the disciples came and showed him the buildings of the temple. That's in verse 1. And then in verse 2, Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So they just been to the temp, showed Jesus the temple, mm. and they're admiring it. You know, we, Magnificent edifice. I mean, it must have been amazing. We were just in Jerusalem recently, That's and we right. saw how magnificent, you know, the... They had that dome there, there and how incredible it looked. And they said the temple was twice as high as that or something. Yes, that's right. It was an amazing – and it was all gold glittering off the sun. You can imagine it. They mm. were very impressed. Mm. It was the pride of the Jewish nation, that's for sure. Anyway, so they thought, well, when the temple is destroyed, surely that will be the end of the world and Christ's return. Mm. So then we can see that in their question in verse 3 of Matthew 24, it says, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives actually overlooks the temple because it's to the east of where the temple was. Yeah, it's like a hill, and there's a big valley, and then it goes up the hill, up and, the there, hill. and there's the temple. So from there, you can see right across and see the temple. It's magnificent view, mm. magnificent. So uh, they're sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, what will these things be? So this is now in relation to the, the temple being destroyed. And they said, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they linked them together. They and did. they thought that, that Jesus' second coming would have been at the destruction of the temple. Of the temple, that's but right. But they asked two questions, didn't they? They did ask two questions, yeah, the signs of his coming and the end of the age. And then Jesus starts answering these questions. Now, they are intermingled, so it, it needs a little bit of deciphering to figure out which is which, but they, they all relate to destruction of Jerusalem and also the end of the world. And really, the destruction of Jerusalem is actually a type of the destruction we'll see at the end of the world. And in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Now, I've always been fascinated by the fact that Jesus starts his sermon with those first few words that make sure that no one deceives you. So there's going to be a lot of deception mm. in the last days about Christ's second coming. That's right, yeah. And the deceptions could be uh, very obvious, but deception typically is not obvious. Mm. Uh, for, for, for us looking out, sometimes we can see it, but the people involved in it cannot see it. And the fact is, if we're involved in it, we not, by nature cannot see it either. So take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 5, for many will come in my name. So they will actually preach in the name of the Lord, saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. So, so here we have the word deceive a second time already. So straight away he says, that people are going to come or there might be a being that comes and says, I'm the Christ. And it doesn't mm. say to deceive a few. 
it sees will deceive many. many. So we're not talking about some crackpot, you know, like who you know says yeah. that I'm Jesus. With a hundred followers or five hundred yeah, followers. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that, yeah, we're not talking about that. We're talking about there's going to be some vast numbers of people are going to be deceived. So mm. Sam's on an incredible deception this, that someone. It's going to say, I am Christ. To say that Christ, that means they're going to be doing the same miracles as Christ, probably. Well, that's right. And we already read in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 that there will be people at the day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do many miracles and cast out demons? Mm. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He now, says, I never is, knew you. What does that mean, iniquity? Iniquity is another word for sin, and that's deliberate sin. So what he's saying is, you know, you did all these things in my name, but you're deliberately disobeying my law mm. because sin is a transgression of God's law. That's so right. they're completely disregarding God's law and disobeying God's law. Yet they are performing miracles, which deceives people. People think, well, wow. this is the power of God. How can they be of the devil if they perform these miracles? But we know that Satan can perform miracles as well. That's right. So what else does he say? Okay, so we're into verse 6 now. It says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Well, we've always had wars, though, haven't we, Edian? We have. That's right. And rumors of wars. Mm. And even today, we've got a lot of rumors of war happening with North Korea. And, you know, you've got Iran, Russia and China and, and Iran. Yeah. And everyone's sort of very uncomfortable these days mm. with each other. So we can see a lot of rumors of wars. Okay. And, of course, the whole issue over Jerusalem being the capital of Israel as well. There's a lot of rumors of wars going to take place and all kinds of things. So, yes, the rumors have been around forever. But Jesus says, but the end is not yet. Even if you hear these things, okay. don't be troubled. Then verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. So we're going to see a lot of um, nation rising like nation. I mean, just look in the last hundred years, we had World War One, World War Two. Mm. There's been they reckon the increase in wars has been incredible in the 20th century, and even continuing in the 21st century. Um, uh, nation rising up against nation. I mean, those world wars were just incredible. How many people died on them? That's right. And then mm. there'll be famines and pestilences. So there's going to be a lot of diseases mm. in the last days. That's right. And I mean, I don't think we've seen the, the worst of it yet. I think there's more to come because if we read in verse 8, it says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. They're mm. not the sorrow. It's the beginning of sorrow. So there's, there's more to come. And also I noticed that it said earthquakes in various places. So an increase in earthquakes mm. uh, everywhere. I mean, you hear about it every day, an earthquake here or, I mean, you hear of natural disasters all, every, nearly every second day. Like there's well, that's, that's right. Terrible fires, worst fires in California or the worst floods here or mm. this big Those earthquake hurricanes here. hurricanes or, you know, typhoons. Yeah. There's some terrible things. And then what we've seen some significant um, earthquakes that have brought on some significant tsunamis. You know, the one there, um, was it? Boxing Day one, yeah. Was that, it 2003, 2004, oh, somewhere around there? Yes. About 12, 13, 14 years ago. 300,000 people died in that. Yeah, incredible. And then, of course, you had the big one there. Japan um, as well. Japan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was uh, a lot of people destroyed there as well. And, I mean, growing up, the first 30, 40 years of my life, there weren't any big tsunamis like that. Or, you know, there were some earthquakes every now and then, but there's definitely been an increase not only in frequency, but also in intensity. That's right, yeah. And then it says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Well, now, weren't all the disciples killed? Except for John. Except for John. They tried to kill him, but they couldn't. Yeah. They, they put him in a cauldron of boiling oil, and he survived. 
So then they took him out and then uh, banished Stuck him, him on to, an island somewhere. to Patmos. Yeah, the that's where he wrote the book of Revelation, island. isn't it? That's, that's dead right, yeah. yeah. But why would God's people be hated by all nations for his name's sake? That's the interesting thing. Good question. We, we always think that the Christians you know, are lovable, everybody loves them, but Jesus says something different here. He says that all men will hate you, but for what reason? For his name's sake. And his name represents what? His character, his goodness. So somehow God's people will have to represent his name, and what they see in those people, will, they will find a rebuke to them and their lifestyles and that. Because well, it doesn't and say some nations, it says all nations. That's right. In the end, will hate you. And then says uh, what happens because of that, can you imagine at the moment, let's be honest, right? Mm. Some nations, it's like, you know, you accept to be a Christian and okay. Yes, that's right. Although I f- it's, I'm finding it less and less. Mm. Even today, you know, we look in Australia and um, Christians are, you know, marginalized, yeah, are because marginalized of their beliefs. Because they didn't agree with, many of them didn't agree with the, um, the change in definition of marriage. Mm. And so they were looked at as bigots, racist, and homophobic, and, and all sorts of names are thrown at them mm. because of their, um, their beliefs. That's right. And you can, so you can see th- there's a turn happening. There's already a turn that's around right. the world, mm. yeah, mm. even in, in our country here. Yeah. And this, uh, I mean, we haven't seen the sorrows yet, but it's but the beginning. You know, and, then what, it, and what's the result of that? Because it says because, you know, many will be hated by all nations. So imagine if, imagine if everyone hates you because of your faith. Mm. It says then in verse 10, then many will be offended yes. and will betray one another and will hate one another. So it sounds like Christians will be turning on Christians. On Christians as well, yes. Yeah. So there will be, many will be offended and betray one another. So betrayal, if someone is your enemy... Your enemy does not betray you. You don't trust your enemy. Your enemy doesn't trust you. Yeah. But betrayal takes place when there's trust amongst two parties who used to be in agreement on something, you know, who, who had confided, who saw things the same way. That is what betrayal is. And here when it says betrayal, I believe it's referring to God's people who turn against God's message and oppose it. Yeah, that's true. Well, we look in Revelations 12, and it says Satan has gone to make war on those who keep the commandments of God. Mm. And you look right through the book of Revelation, it, it seems the world turns and it says, and it's led by a, a mother church because it's led by a woman, which represents right. a church, yeah. and her daughters mm. representing, because a woman represents a church in Ch- the Bible. It, does, it yes. says they are the ones that turn on mm. a God's people. And so not it, only that, there's a big strong push for them to control state power or political power because if you go to Revelation 17, the woman rides the beast. Which is the political powers? Which of the is the political power? So the church controls the political power of the world. So this wall of separation that we see in the American Constitution and has been followed by many democratic um, nations, around, nations the world. around the world, mm. we'll see that that separation of church and state will be eroded. I was just recently watching a program, and it came on the internet, and it was a Christian program, and they were talking about separation of church and state. And what they did is they really started to erode that. They said, our separation of church and state just means that the state can't tell the church what to do. The state has no jurisdiction. However, the church can tell the state what to do. So Mm. they're saying as far as being uh, reciprocal, that no longer is the case. This was in in America, and these people were saying that the state can tell the church. So can the – sorry, the church can tell the state. So can the church then tell the state to enforce religious dogma and religious laws in regards to how you worship, whether you go to church or whether you don't go to church? They shouldn't. They shouldn't. Not if there's a wall of separation. Mm. But if you erode that wall, and we already see it it amongst some Christian Mm. groups – that is very, very dangerous because it takes away our religious freedom and liberty, and the outcome of it will be persecution. That's when right. God says, you know, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake, that signifies persecution. But that'll really test out your faith then, won't it? 
Absolutely. I mean, let's face it, when people start, you know, you're saying you're a Christian and you're whatever, you know, your beliefs are, mm. and people start attacking you for that, that's going to be a real test for people, yeah. for many you, people. Are you prepared to, uh, you know, go through deprivations and hardship? And even are you prepared to lay down your life for the cause of Christ, you know? Yeah. So yeah. what's verse 11 say then? It says, and again, something else happens. And many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Now, is that the third time we've seen that word deception there? Yes. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of deception mm. in the last days um, through false prophets claiming to be prophets, which means if there's false prophets, what does, it, what does that tell you? There'll be also true prophets. Yeah, they'll have to be true prophets. Yeah, because yeah, you can't have a false one unless you've got a true one. Yeah, that's true. So there'll be false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Mm. So again, the word many is used there. So it's not just a handful. We're not just talking about a, a, a sect here and there. Uh, we're talking about, you know, this being quite uh, big scale in regards to the, the deception that will take place. That's right. And then it says in verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So what's that meaning? Now, the word lawless there is very interesting. The word lawless actually uh, means to transgress the law. It's to break God's God's Ten Commandments, you know, the law of morality. So the law of morality is going to just increase. Well, don't we see that happening? I mean, just look at the last 30 years. Mm. I mean, law, law, the law of morality has been getting worse and worse, hasn't it? Absolutely. Uh, over time. And, um, and it's abounding. It says because of that, it says the love of many will grow cold. Mm. And that word there, love, is agape. And we know that Paul says that love, that agape love, is the fulfilling of the law. Mm. So, of course, if there's lawlessness, there's also a corresponding lack of love. And then in verse 13 it says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. It sounds like you need, we need to endure to the end. Mm. That reminds me of Revelation 14. And verse 12, yes. Verse yes, 12, does. what does that say? So that here is the patience of the saints. Other translations use endurance as well. Oh, yes, the faithful endurance of the saints. Yeah, here are they who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So they're enduring, keeping the, having the, have, they have the faith of Jesus, mm. and they keep the commandments of God. You know, interesting, uh, in Acts, the book of Acts and uh, chapter 20, the Apostle Paul talks about you know, these false... Um, prophets and false leaders, he says in verse 30, that also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things and drawing away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So even the apostle Paul warned them regarding the deception of false teachers and false prophets who will deceive many. And that was in his day, and and he said, he also mentioned there'll be a falling away. That's right, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He mm. says there'll be a falling away within the church. But then the good news, it says in verse 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Mm. So it doesn't mean that every, the world will accept it, but it will be preached as a witness. Everybody, God will give everybody an opportunity to receive the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Because he wants everybody to come into a relationship with him. All to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's right. Okay. Mm. So, um, and then then he talks about verse 15. What's he saying there? Okay, it says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, and then it has in brackets, whoever reads, let him understand. He's quoting Daniel chapter 9 verse 23 there. Right, and then it says, "Let him who who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Well, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains." So obviously, there's a specific local event mm. that happened um, 
And Jesus is saying to the, you know, early to the disciples and early Christians, when you see this thing happen, I think in Luke it says when you see armies encamped around uh, Jerusalem as well. Yeah, that's in circle. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Let those in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him yeah, that's Luke the, 21, 20. That's yeah. right. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to his clothes. And woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Mm. Well, he's talking future here, isn't he? That's right. A future event. So what happened in AD, was it 70? I believe a- something AD significant 70. happened in AD 70. Mm. Well, the the, the uh, Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70 and Israel was taken. Uh, I think about a million people died in that siege. So what happened is the Romans um, surrounded the city? Yeah, in AD 68... The Romans surrounded the city, and then for no apparent reason, they actually uh, withdrew. Well, there was a reason yeah. that the emperor had died. Right, yes, yes. And so the next but for Israel, line, they weren't aware of that at the time, and just for apparent no reason. And then, they were running away. <laughs> and, and, and all those who had taken heed to Christ's words here, when they saw the abomination of desolation, which was at that time the, uh, the armies of the pagans surrounding Jerusalem, Yes. at that time they fled, and no Christian actually died in that siege. Yes, and I know that many of the, uh, the Israeli army chased the Romans, and Romans had to fight off their lives. That's now, right. they were going back to Rome mm. because the general was in line to be the next emperor. Right. So that's why he was going back to Rome. Yes, yes. You know, they weren't running away. Mm, mm. He, was, he wanted to No, be... there's something that caught, obviously captured their attention. So, that was a very prominent uh, thing at the time. Now, so, yeah. during that, so, the, so the army went away, and during that time, I believe it's told by historians that all the Christians— and you know, believers of Christ as the Messiah, all the Christians got out of Jerusalem, out of Judea, and fled mm. yeah, to Antioch, I believe, and other places. Yeah, that's right. Now, the interesting thing is, I just want to connect uh, verse fourteen and fifteen. There, it says the, the and this gospel of the kingdom. So it's not just any gospel, because we know there are going to be false prophets and, and, and people saying, speaking perverse things, as we read already in Acts twenty. It says this gospel of the kingdom. Now, Jesus then, in regards to unfolding the gospel, actually connects the book of Daniel with the gospel. He says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing on the holy place, uh, then Nelly me reads, understand. He connects that. And if you can look at the gospel that Jesus preached, even in Mark chapter 1 and verse 14 and 15, it says that after John was put in prison, Jesus uh, came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he mentions it, the gospel of the kingdom again, kingdom yes. of God. It's the same gospel that he mentions here in Matthew twenty four fourteen, And this is what he says. The time is fulfilled. Now, what time is he referring to? It's the prophetic time we find in Daniel chapter 9, the 70-week prophecy. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So Jesus' message include prophecy. Included repentance and acceptance of the gospel, and this is what is referred to as the gospel of the kingdom. So it includes it includes prophecy. Well, let's 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 just let's prove that. Okay, Jesus in Luke twenty four, it says in Luke twenty four verse thirteen. Now behold, two of them. This is after Jesus' crucifixion and and resurrection and resurrection. But right. they didn't on know the that. same. This is the resurrection morning, right? This is the same. Yes. Now behold, two of them were traveling that day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together all of the things which had happened. You know, obviously Jesus' crucifixion they were talking about. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Mm. So they didn't even know it, but Jesus was walking along with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Mm. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you will have with one another as you walk and are sad? Mm. 
Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things that have happened there in the last days or that have happened these days? She's saying, where where were you? Don't you know what's been going on? There was a major event that took place over the Passover weekend. It's Jesus, who we all thought was the Messiah, has been crucified. Mm. And he says, and Jesus said to him, what things? Mm. (laughs) And they said, so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Mm. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And is, indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yeah, well. And yes, as certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. So they heard the report about, mm. you know, these women said, hey, Jesus has risen. And when they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angel who said he was alive. And they continued on and said, And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Mm. Then Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all of that the prophets have spoken. Mm. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter in his glory? And then in verse 27 of Luke chapter 24, he goes, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Wow. And basically the whole day was a Bible study. Jesus goes back, starting in Moses, and went through all the prophecies concerning Jesus. I mean, there's hundreds of them. Mm. You know, Genesis 3.15, you know, where he says a seed will come through Adam and Eve. A seed will come that will bruise the head of the serpent. So you've got all these. We haven't got time to go through all these prophecies. I yeah, wish yeah, we yeah. had time, but there's so oh, many. It's a of fascinating them. study. Yeah, Fa- fascinating. Maybe one day we can go through all the prophecies in the Old Testament, showing what Jesus would be born, but also the seventy weeks prophecy that you spoke about in Daniel. Yeah, that's right. It's incredible. Also, I mean, their hopes were dashed because they, verse twenty-one there it says, so Luke twenty-four, um, it says, and we were hoping. That it was he who was going to redeem Israel. So they all their hopes were dashed, and here Jesus going through the prophecies explains to them um, the, the prophecy concerning himself that he had to die and then raise on the third day. Well, dear listener, we have just come to the end of our first half of our program. We'll be back right after this short message. Stay tuned. The devil made me do it. If you weren't so impatient, I wouldn't be yelling at you. Now, of course, you'd never say anything like that, but people do say that sort of thing. Passing the buck, shifting the blame, failing to take responsibility. Look at 2 Chronicles 33.9. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen, whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Now, even though the Bible credits Manasseh for leading the people into sin, the bottom line is no one can be led into sin by anyone else. God has given each of us the power of choice to yield to him when temptation comes. That's what it takes, surrendering to him. So even if somebody does drive you mad, there's no excuse for being overtaken by sin because God is able to keep you where you want to be. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. 
Dear listener, welcome back. Just before the break, we were talking about the importance of prophecy, and that prophecy is actually part of preaching the gospel, and how Jesus incorporated that in Matthew 24, talking about the abomination of desolation as spoken by Daniel the prophet. He talked about this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all nations, and then the end would come. So prophecy is actually part of it. And then Colin beautifully in Luke 24 brought out that Walk the road to Emmaus. That is the resurrection morning where these two disciples walk from Jerusalem. Jesus comes, meets up with them, and then explains the prophecies concerning himself. So for them to understand the gospel and what Jesus needed to do, what did he do? He started with Moses and all the prophets and went through all the prophecies concerning himself. And as we discovered, there's hundreds of them. So that would have been an all-day Bible study. Jesus gave them a Bible study. That's right. How's that? The first thing Jesus does... Have a think about this mm. with his disciples is give them a Bible study about him, all the prophecies in the Bible concerning himself. That's the first thing he does. That's incredible. And yeah. if you look at continuing Luke chapter 24, he then the next day meets up with the rest of the disciples. And guess what he does? Gives them the same study again. He goes and gives them the same <laughs> Bible study, a study on prophecy yes. concerning Jesus, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, including Daniel of the prophecies concerning himself. So he would have went through the prophecies of Daniel mm. about the 70 weeks prophecy. Wouldn't it have been great just to be there to hear God's, the, the Son of God explain the prophecies concerning of Daniel, himself in the gospel? Saying, hey, yeah. listen, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm baptized in 27 AD exactly as Daniel said. Mm. I was going to be anointed, that I would be crucified, that I would be cut off. You know, in That's the midst right. of the week after three and a half years. Mm. He's sitting there giving him a Bible study on prophecy. And so when people say, well, we don't need to give a Bible study on prophecy, well, Jesus did twice. Mm. And that's the first thing he did with his disciples. That's right. Well, you know, it's very clear there in uh, Daniel nine twenty six, where it says that, you know, after Messiah, the prince, you know, he shall be cut off, but not of himself. So the, the concept that Messiah would be cut off was never something that they'd actually considered. And it says that he would bring an end in the middle of the week. He'll bring an end to sacrifice and offerings. Just another, just a side note, Eddie, and I just want to, the 30% of the Bible, approximately 30% of the Bible is prophecy. Mm. So you would have to do away with a third of the Bible if you don't want to study prophecy. Yeah. And, and, and I love it how God just, you know, predicts everything's going to happen because it gives us faith. Absolutely. So does, we can look yeah. back and say, well, everything else like this happened in the past, 100% accuracy. So everything else that has, has to come will come and will happen. Absolutely gives us confidence in the scriptures, that's for sure. And we know that God is a God that knows the end from the beginning, and that's one of the ways we can prove the existence of God through prophecy. And, you know, the apostle Peter, and he was one of the, the first to see Jesus as well, and, you know, first one of the first ones to run actually to the tomb after he heard the, the testimony of the woman yes. to go and see if Jesus was actually risen, whether the tomb was empty or not. He says that we have a more sure word of prophecy, which we do well to hear. There's a light that shines in a dark place. A prophecy is the light of God shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star, which is Jesus Christ, the morning star rises in your heart. So that comes back to that concept of Christ in us, our hope of glory. The morning stars to rise in our hearts. We have to have Christ within us. And is prophecy he, and plays saying, a part of that. And he's saying continue prophesizing. That's right. He's saying that. Oh, isn't it interesting that in... Revelation, I believe, chapter 10, okay, after the great disappointment the, yes. in, in uh, 1844, or, that the, Jesus says there, the angel says, you must, you must prophesy, prophesy again. again. Yes. And so prophecy is an important part 
of uh, the gospel, mm. the everlasting gospel. So let's Amen. get back to Matthew 24. So what what okay. what happens then? Is he goes on and says, you know, tells them to get out of Israel, get out of Jerusalem mm. while they can. And you know what? All the Christians got out of they Jerusalem. Did. That's right. And they were saved. Not one of them was lost who who listened to the prophecies yeah. of Jesus. So Jesus prophesied what would happen. They then saw the sign. They took note of the sign, and they got out, and mm. they were saved. Now, what happens to the ones that didn't take note of the sign? What happened to them? Well, they were destroyed. There was a million people that died in that. In the that Romans came and destroyed them all, didn't, mm. they, didn't they? Now, it's interesting that Jesus actually encourages them to pray regarding two things. When you see this happen, he says, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. So there are some people who believe that the, the law was nailed to the cross, therefore the Sabbath is no longer valid. Mm. The only the only commandment in the in the Bible out of the Ten Commandments that has the word remember, in other words, don't forget, mm. is the one that everybody wants to forget and put aside. And Jesus says that even in 70 AD they were to pray that their flight would not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Now we're talking about Christians here because the Jews, you now the Jews, the majority of them rejected Christ. Those Jewish believers who accepted Jesus as Messiah, as the Messiah of the Old Testament, were the ones he was speaking to. Mm. And the Sabbath was still valid at that time. Yeah, and he's saying in the future, hey, listen, mm. don't wait until the Sabbath. That's right. So if there's somebody out there maybe feeling that the Sabbath is no longer valid, well, Jesus still spoke about the significance and even told them to pray about it so they don't flee on the Sabbath day, which is a holy day. That's right. And then he talks about this great tribulation, mm. such as never been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor will ever be. And he goes, then unless those days are shortened, and this is verse 21 and 22 of Matthew 24, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Mm. And we are told, I think it is in the book of uh, Romans, that God will do a quick work in the earth and he will cut it short in righteousness. So we're already told here that the days will be shortened by God for the sake of saving people. Otherwise, no one will be, no, uh, no flesh will be alive. That's right. So God is still in control. As bad as things get, God ultimately mm. has the final say. He's still in control. And for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. That's good news. Mm. Uh, God is merciful and long-suffering, isn't he? Yes, amen. I mean, even he says that in Revelation chapter 7. He gives a picture of these angels holding back the mm. winds of strife coming upon this earth. And he's saying to them, hey, listen, angels, hold back the winds. Do not release these winds on the earth. To harm the seas, the trees, the water, the oceans, the seas, mm. you know, letting loose, the, obviously, the seven last plagues. He's saying, hold back until his people are sealed. God is waiting for his people to be sealed. He is, absolutely. And then he says in verse 23, what does he say in verse 23? It says, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. So what is he saying that, that many people, right at the last days, people are going to say, hey, here's the Christ. Hmm. Here's Jesus. He's returned. He says, do not believe it. That's right. And that is during the time, if, if I understand the sequence of, of events correctly, that is during the time of the great tribulation that there will be a false Christ appearing. And it's interesting that that coming of the lawless one who will masquerade as Christ is actually foretold. It's very subtle, but it's actually foretold in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 9, I think we should read that because Paul gives us a, some real, I mean, could you imagine, right, if Satan himself, right, mm. we're talking about a powerful being, angel, appeared as Christ at the end mm. and, and looked like Christ, walked like Christ, maybe even did some miracles like Christ. Do you think many people would be deceived? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, so so what does Paul say in Second Thessalonians chapter two verse nine? Okay, so Paul's you're talking about you know the coming of the Lord, you know because there were some people are saying that you know. Uh, they don't know how close the coming of the Lord will be, or it's maybe it's already happened. Yes. And maybe we can just read the text to get the context of it. It says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So you're saying some people were putting it in the past. Let no one deceive you by any means. You hear the word deceive is being used again. So it seems like it's a common theme amongst God's apostles, even amongst Jesus' warning about uh, in prophecy regarding the last days. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. The word falling away there, the falling away just means up, as apostasia in the Greek. It just means apostasy. Apostasy comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Talking about the Antichrist here. That's right. And talking about the... Or little horn that Daniel speaks about. Mm. There's all the same, different names for the same power. The same power that opposes God. Now, it's interesting the word son of perdition is only used twice in the Bible. It's used here with this man of sin, the son of perdition, which is the Antichrist. Mm. And the word son of perdition is used by Jesus as well to refer to Judas, who was one of his disciples. And Judas actually wasn't a violent opposer of Christ. He was a subtle imposter, and he portrayed Jesus not with a with a, with a with a with a punch, but with a kiss. Well, he wanted Jesus to become king and rule over and kick he out the Romans. He was trying to force an, uh, an outcome, an outcome right. that he he believed prophecy should be fulfilled. Mm. And so that's interesting. So basically, he's saying there's going to be a falling away, and that's the Bible right. talks about it in Daniel as well mm. and Revelation. There's falling away, the twelve hundred sixty uh, year prophecy. That's right. Uh, in Revelation, Daniel, where where this this power. Or little horn power, or antichrist power, would rule for twelve hundred sixty years, mm. uh, or forty-two months, which, by the way, is twelve hundred sixty days. That's right. Or times times and a half, yeah, which is another three and a half years, years which yes. is again twelve hundred sixty days. Mm. And so we've studied this previously before in some of our previous, um, you know, radio on um, um, you shall receive power. But bottom line is, the little horn uh, antichrist uh, has been identified. As Christians in the past, mm. many Protestants have identified that as the papacy yes, because it fits exactly. Mm-hmm. That's when they came into rule, uh, right after uh, in 538 AD, and they ruled for 1260 years where they were really in power and forcing their power upon the that's world. Right. Yes, And uh, until Napoleon's general Bertha came along and put the Pope in jail. Mm. But it says his wound would be healed. That's right, and we're seeing the the healing of the wound more. Well, and more. yes, the whole world is is mm. wondering after him today. It's, it's, I mean, you look at him; he looks like a great, a good guy. You know, mm. when you look at the external, it looks like a good guy. So it says, but it says that back to verse twenty three of Matthew twenty four. If anyone says, "Look, here is the Christ," or there, do not believe it. I also believe. Isn't there another prophecy that says where Satan himself will? Will oh, yes, a masquerade as an angel of light. Yes. yes, yes. It says in the Bible that he would mm-hmm. masquerade as an angel of light. Even in Jesus, when he appeared to Jesus in the uh, you know 40 days in temptation, he came as an angel of light. Mm. You know, it's like an angel come from heaven. That's right. Now, Jesus soon unmasked him, but from appearance sakes, probably looked like an incredible angel. But we knew he, Jesus soon worked it out who it was because he didn't go by the word of God. I think that text, uh, it's the Apostle Paul that mentions it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14. But I just want to read verse 13 and 15 
and 14 together just to give the context because here again we see this concept of false prophets and people who preach deception. They call it the gospel, but it's a false counterfeit gospel. And it says in verse 11 there, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 13, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. So they transform themselves into apostles of Christ, but they are not apostles of Christ. So externally they look like it. That's they right. might say the right things. They have prominent positions but, but, even in the church. But behind, let's keep going. What, yeah, what, what, says, what are they just doing? It says, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So even Satan uses this deception, and the people who he sets up in the church to deceive people, false prophets, mm. they also do the same thing. So we shouldn't wonder about so it. So how do we know? Let's How do we know? Let's keep reading. Okay, see. so how verse we... 15, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, that Satan's ministers, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their own works. Their own works. Mm. So that fact that Satan transforms himself to an angel of light, we see this very subtly in Second Thessalonians chapter two, when we're just reading there before about you know the son of perdition who exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So he sits as God in the temple of God. So he's in the church, showing himself that he is God. And then Paul says, "I told you about these things in verse five before." But then again, we talk about the mystery of lawlessness in verse 7, which is already at work, and there's something that's restraining it. And when that restraint was taken out of the way, it starts with verse 8, and it says, And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So when Christ comes the second time, the lawless one will be here on earth, and he'll be doing his work. That's Satan himself. Is going to appear as an angel of light and say he's Christ. That's right. So what happens is there's two aspects there. There's one obviously him working through the son of perdition, the man of sin, and then also Satan himself. And then we read in verse nine, the coming. So there it goes. So we have the coming of Christ, which will destroy the lawless one. But then it says the coming of the lawless one. The word lawless one is added there, but the coming is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So what happens is Satan then masquerades as Christ himself and the whole world be going, Christ has come, oh, Christ you has imagine come. It, imagine it, Etienne. You imagine yeah. like uh, Satan appears, right, hmm. as an angel of light and, and, and says he's Christ. And, and, and no one's ever seen a being like this in the history of yeah. you know, Imagine coming in the description of the angels, and we've seen many in the Bible. In Revelation chapter in one, Revelation chapter one, yes. the description of Jesus. You know? Yes, and you notice that the key though, there was a key word you used about three times. I was listening as I was listening. I was saying, "How will we know?" Yeah. Well, there's two things we'll be able to know. Mm. You'll be able to know if you know if you believe in the Word of God. Yes, Amen. Because he's, Jesus says, "If anyone comes to you and says, here's the Christ, do not believe it.'" Yeah. And and, and so how will we know? Well, Christ gives us. How he will come, return the second time. Mm. So we're going to just quickly look at that. How would Jesus okay. return? But before we do that, he also says the lawlessness one. Lawlessness. Lawless, yes, yes. So he'll be going against the law of God. Mm. So he'll be saying, hey, maybe uh, some of the law of God has been done away with. And, exactly. And the people he's using are saying the same thing. Mm. Okay, so it's or they may just make the law of none effect and saying, "Listen, no one can keep the law of God, so don't bother." He also sits in the temple, saying, "That's that's an allusion to Daniel again mm. in uh, chapter eleven, yes. King of the North." 
That's where he right. keeps saying the king of the north is uh, is the papacy right through the chapter 11. Mm. But eventually the king of the north himself, who is the ultimate one who wants to be the king of the north, is Satan himself. Satan, yes. And so he appears, sits mm. himself in the temple and says, I am God. That's dead right. I mean, we also know that, you know, Revelation chapter 13, it says that the dragon is the one that gave this antichrist power, his seat, his power and great authority. So we, it's very clear there that he's the one that actually sets up this man of sin, the son of perdition. Mm, yeah. So how we know, we'll start, we says anyone says appears and says they're Christ, do not believe him. All right. Because false Christs and false prophets, this is in verse 24 of Matthew 21, will rise and show great size and wonders. So they're going to be doing miracles. Yes. Now, I, I spoke to a friend of mine who doesn't believe in God. Mm. You know, I've spoken to a few of them, actually, and mm. I've said to him, you know, you know, what happens if uh, you don't believe? I said, what happens if a being appeared, all right, that looked like Jesus, spoke like Jesus, was a dazzling being that, you know what I mean, like brightness, mm. and did miracles like Jesus? Would you believe then? And you know what they said, Eddie? We would, be- yes. we would believe then. Incredible. So there you fall. There straight away, athe- people who are atheists are set up for the final deception. Mm. Also, Islam has a prophecy that they believe that Christ is going to appear. Jesus is going to appear mm. and lead the world to unite with them and unite the world together. Yes. So guess who else is going to be deceived? Islam. Yeah. All right. And also, I think the Christian world is going to be deceived unless they know Jesus' words. Well, that's right. So how so, we know when Jesus soon coming? Well, you know that Matthew 24, verse 24, you know, talking about the false Christ and the false prophets showing great signs and wonders. The signs and wonders will convince the world because that's how Satan deceives the world as we read in Revelation. And it says, if one is deceived, if possible, even the elect. So even if the elect, if possible, can be deceived, how can we shield ourselves to protect ourselves to make sure we don't fall for this deception? Well, he gives the answer in the next few verses, doesn't okay. he? He says, now I've told you beforehand, verse 25. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, so he's told us, don't believe anyone who comes and appears and walks around saying, I'm Jesus. Even if they look like Jesus, even if they're doing the miracles of Jesus, mm. even if it's a dazzling being looking like me, don't believe it. I've told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe him. You know, I've had certain um, uh, religious uh, people have told me that Jesus came in 1914. Yes. Yeah, that's an inner room one, isn't it? Or in secret. That, that's in a secret, in the room. Mm. He came in 1914, in secret. Mm. So straight away, I, I have to go back to you know these verses. Yeah. And I know, don't believe them. Because mm. then he goes on, this is how you'll know. Verse 27, for as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Mm. That sounds like it's going to be an incredible visible event. Mm. Yes. And then what else does he say? Um, For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So when he comes, he's going to destroy the earth. That's right. And there'll be many bodies scattered on the face of the earth. Yeah. And verse 29, what does it say there? Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then in verse 30, then the sign of the Son of Man or the true coming of Jesus, Mm -hmm. not the counterfeit or the false one, will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of earth will mourn. Sounds like the other one they'll be celebrating. Mm. Here it says they will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, the clouds of heaven is another language. Clouds means angels. 
He's coming with all his angels. That's, that's right. And isn't there a verse in Revelation, I think, chapter 1? Yes. It talks about the second coming of Jesus as well. It comes with clouds and every eye shall see even those who pierced him. So every eye shall see the coming of Jesus. And it says his feet won't touch the ground. Mm. His feet won't touch the crown. And also you look in verse um, 31, it says, And he will send his angels with great sound of a trumpet. Sounds going to be pretty loud. That's right. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the one heaven to the earth. So when Jesus comes, he's coming with all his glory, with all mm. the angels, billions of them. You won't miss it. That's right. Now, that trumpet sound will be very loud because it says the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised. It also says the greatest earthquake that ever has hit this earth is going to hit and Mm. islands are going to be removed and mountains split. And then it talks about before Jesus comes, the seven plagues are going to destroy this earth. If you're alive at that time, you won't be able to miss it. You won't be able to miss it. So this secret coming or even masquerading, saying here is a Christ or there is a Christ or he came in secret and... Or even if he comes, appears in, as a dazzling being and does miracles, mm. looks like Jesus and talks like Jesus, don't believe it. Jesus has told you in Matthew 24, believe what I've said. You know, when Jesus made the promise to his disciples, you know, stay in Jerusalem to, so that you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, Acts chapter 1, verse 5, and it says you'll still receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, verse 8. While he's still speaking to them in verse 9, it says, And he had spoken these things, and they watched, and he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. So as they looked steadfastly to heaven, there were two men that stood by them in white apparel, verse 11, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heavens? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also come in like manner. That is very important, in like manner. So a cloud received them up into the heavens, and as visible? A, was it visible? Visible, absolutely. They saw it. Yeah. Yep. In like manner, as you saw him go into heaven, he will come. So he, he he descended into heaven in a cloud. He will come to earth a second time in a cloud as well. When it says in like manner, it's very important. There's nothing secret about this. This will be a very, very loud event. That's right. And, uh, and, a, and a visible event from visible. lightning as east. And he sends all yeah. his angels down mm. to, to, you know, the dead arised. You know, in, in all the past ages, the dead and rising Christ are raised. And those who are alive, it says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, we are changed and we go up, up into the sky. That's right. I mean, so the Bible has made it clear. So no one has to be deceived. Mm. You can't trust your eyes, though. No. You can't trust your eyes because it says many will well, be if deceived. If you believe in signs and miracles and wonders, you will be deceived. We need the word of God, you know. And then Jesus talk goes on to say, you know, when you see all these things happening, surely I say to this generation will no means by pass away. Verse 34, to all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And then he gives another little thing. No one knows the day or hour. Mm-hmm. So anyone says that Jesus came in, you know, 1914 or in the past, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. no one knows the day and the hour, uh, but my Father in heaven. And he says it'll be like the days of Noah. Yes, It'll be like the days of Noah. People be, you know, drinking and marrying, and until Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. People will. It'll be a. The world is going to be destroyed when Jesus comes. That's right. Yeah. It says there'll be two men in the field. One will be taken, the other left. The ones yeah. that are taken were well, the ones that are taken away. That's right. As it, the flood took them away, so they will be taken away and consumed by the brightness of the coming yeah, of the Lord. That's right. So therefore. The most important thing is verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Mm, Amen. 
Thank you, Colin. That is a fascinating study, and I'm so grateful for Jesus leaving us this prophecy to prepare us for the soon return of Jesus Christ. You know, we're um, as we're studying and reading this, and we know there's going to be deception upon deception because in Matthew 24, Jesus says four times, do not be deceived. Many will be deceived. Make sure that no one deceives you, and if possible, the very elect will be deceived. The only way we can actually be stopped from being deceived is what uh, Paul, the apostle, said there when it talks about the, the, the deception, deceptive coming of Satan, which will masquerade as the coming of Christ with signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness and deception among those who perish. Because, so now we're going to reason from cause to effect, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So what's the truth, Edian? The truth is the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ, that he is our righteousness, that he is able not only to take us away from the penalty, but also the punishment of sin. Well, Colin, should we just go to a break and we'll share our contact details and then we'll come back and just wrap it up right after this. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on You Shall Receive Power. If you would like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249-73-3456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back. If you need to get in touch with us, you're welcome to use those contact details, either phone us or email us. Now, Colin, we were just talking about how there will be deceptions of all kinds, great signs and wonders, lying wonders, the Bible says, and if possible, even the very elect will be deceived. And how are we to make sure that we are not deceived? We've got to know Jesus for ourselves. We've got to have Christ within our hope of glory. But that all comes because we receive a love of the truth, so we do not believe a lie. But what is truth, Colin? What is truth? Well, Jesus says, I am the truth. Right. Jesus says, I am the truth. The Bible says, thy word is is the truth. Mm. You see, Jesus, even when he was contending with Satan, who was trying to deceive Jesus mm. himself with temptations, yes. if you are the Son of God, like questioning, are you really the Son of God? True. You know, Jesus just answered with the Word of God. It is written. He always came back, it is written. Because guess who wrote the Bible? It was inspired. The Holy Spirit inspired men through Jesus. Mm. Mm. He says, the Word. It says, in the beginning, the Word was with God, yeah, and, the, and word the Word was? was God, That's right. and the Word became flesh. Mm. The Word of God. So that's why we need to know the Word of God. We need to know Jesus, and we need to know His Word. And Jesus just told us in Matthew 24 how not to be deceived. He did. He just went right through and said, this is all the things you're going to see at the end. Mm. You're going to see floods, natural disasters. You're going to see rumors of war. You're going to see you know, the love of God just dwindling upon the earth. You're going to see wickedness increasing, mm. you know, just like in the days of Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah and all. You're going to see all these things. He says, but the most important thing, I've told you all this before it happens so that you won't be deceived. Yes. Even when Satan himself is going to appear and pretend he's Jesus. Mm. I've told you how I'm coming back. I've told you so that you will know for yourself. So ground yourself in God's word. That's what we need to do. Great. Thank you for that, Colin. Well, dear listener, we are at the end of our program. We are studying God's warning, last warning to his church. And we are in the last few chapters of this book, 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain and Christ's Return. We pray that God will continue to bless you as you continue your study in his word as well. Until next time. 
You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.